uh, I guess I say that a lot, but I really am thankful. And there's never a, a, a more better place than in the house of the Lord to feel that gratitude and that thanks for all that God's done. Amen. Uh, I'd like for you to turn your grab your Bibles if you have them. Amen. Turn with me. Amen. To the book of Isaiah. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, I guess that music is almost kind of fitting. It sounds a little bit like what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I didn't communicate that. but Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Isaiah chapter 9, and verse number 6. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say wait for me. <laughs> We're holding on. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah chapter number chapter number nine, verse number six. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And uh, my title today is Christmas in February. (laughs) Christmas in February. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the touch of your spirit, God. We're praying today, Lord, for your help, your anointing, your grace. God, not just upon, Lord, me today. But God, I pray the hand of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be upon the congregation, the people of God. The ones that you died for, God, let the hand of God rest upon them to receive your word today. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Everybody except for the uh, fictitious or famed Green Grinch loves Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. And every child certainly loves Christmas. The most uh, blessed part of Christmas for many a child, or if we're honest, even us young people, uh, is the gifts, is what we receive on Christmas. And uh, we look forward to unwrapping the gifts on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. Uh, We look forward to uh, driving through the different neighborhoods and seeing the Christmas lights and, and getting that if you will, Christmas spirit. Uh, and and we, we love that beautiful holiday. Uh, but there was a day uh, when a gift was given to the world. Uh, and it was a gift that was given uh, to the world from above, from the heavens, from the God of heaven. It was the day that God wrapped himself in human flesh. And dwelt among us, as the Bible says, or he came to us. 
amen, that, uh, that gift that you may have received in on uh, that Christmas holiday, whether it was a bicycle that your parents tried to disguise and wrap it crazy so you wouldn't be able to guess it, uh, or whatever uh, drum set it was, you tried to wrap it and then not know what it was. Uh, whatever beautiful, awesome, cool gift you got on Christmas, uh, however much you may have enjoyed it and have loved it and looked forward to it with great anticipation, there was a gift and there is a gift, amen, uh, of the Lord himself that wrapped himself in flesh, took upon him the form of mankind and came right to where we were, amen, when we were lost in sin, when we did not know the way and we did not have the direction to know which way to go in the uh, through the cross through the course of life, but a gift showed up on our front doorstep. A gift showed up in our lives. Amen. On Christmas morning, you had to wait for that moment when mom or dad, grandma or grandpa would give you the green light. And say, okay, son, daughter, granddaughter, it's time to open your gifts. Amen. You had to wait for that moment when it was okay to get that gift. But but there was a gift today. And I'm trying to make a correlation today uh, about the gift of God himself. Amen. When he came to you and where you were today. For many of people throughout the course of time, he comes to them at different moments. And it's not a special day in which he comes to the person's life, but it is what is referred to as a chirological moment in time. Amen. When you are uh, through the chronological process of time going about your routine and you reach a point in your life when you say, I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. And all of a sudden, amen, you look up and you see God, amen, reaching down to you and God showing up in your life. Amen. It may not look like your typical Christmas gift. It may not look like it's wrapped up in that pretty red and green uh, Christmas paper. Amen. But it looks like, amen, the presence of God showing up in a person's life. And I, for one, am thankful today, amen, that there was a day the Bible says that he was born in a manger. Amen. They, the, there was three wise men that the Bible describes. And the Bible says that three wise men saw his star in the east. They saw something in the heavens that indicated to them that this was a specific location where uh, the king of glory, the king of the Jews, was to be born. There was a sign given. Amen. And there is a sign in this place today that God is here today to meet every one of your needs today. Amen. God will give you a sign. Amen. Before the service is over, somebody is going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when you speak in other tongues, it is a sign. Amen. That God has shown up in your life. Hallelujah. But the Christmas story, which we all love and hold dear to our hearts, is not a story that is that is uh, only to be preached or only to be talked about during the month of December of the year. But it is a story that we are to forever extract from comfort and solace and direction and gives us a clear understanding of the kingdom of God and the things of God. 
Because you and I may be at a point in our lives where we are not able to uh, to go to where God is. We, we're not able to, to be that person that, that God wants us to be. We find ourselves mired in sin and mired in confusion and not knowing up from down, right from left, and not really knowing what's going on. And in that moment of time, amen, that gift from heaven shows up into your life. The God of heaven, the God of glory, wrapped in flesh, amen, in the person of Jesus Christ, amen, this, uh, this baby that was born in a manger some 2,000 years ago, amen, would grow to become a child, amen, that was teaching the religious scholars of the day in the temple, that baby that was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the end would find himself growing up through the process of time and being a young boy. Corday, stand up. This is what a young boy looks like. A handsome, good-looking young boy. And imagine somebody at Corday's age and stage in life being in the temple and talking to the priest, talking to the, the pastor, talking to the evangelist and saying, well, you know, the Bible actually says it like yes. this. And what the prophet Isaiah did, well, he, he was talking about this. And they're looking at it like, oh, what yeah. I've been sitting there all my life and I yeah. about that revelation. But, but, but Jesus shows up and Jesus begins to bring understanding. He begins to bring light. He begins to shine his light upon your life. And every time that God shows up in your life, he will, as one person said, he'll teach you something. He'll teach you some things. Light and understanding and revelation to your life. But that child didn't stop. Amen. At just a few. And Corday, happy birthday. It's his birthday, everybody. It's Corday's birthday. He just turned double digits. But you know what? Jesus at Corday's age in life didn't stop growing. He didn't stop becoming what God had him to become. He didn't say, well, hey, I've reached the, the, the age where I'm double digits now. And I'm 10 years old. I think I got it now. But he began to advance in life. He began to grow in life. So, so wherever stage you are at in your walk with God, don't stop growing. Don't stop moving forward. Don't stop reaching for more than God. But say, God, I know that the best is yet to come. I know that your hand is ever working in my life. And I want to become all that you have me to become. And that young boy, little Corday's age in life, kept on growing and kept on uh, going to the temple, going to the house of God and doing what he knew to do. And eventually that man, that, that young man, uh, became the age of, uh, how old are you, Brother Nathan? 29. Stand up. This is what a 29-year-old looks like. Amen. At this young man's age in life, amen, Jesus began to get off, amen, and go, thank you. Uh, he began to get off and go to the wilderness, and he began to fast. He began to pray. He began to seek God. He began to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. If there's anything in my life that's not pleasing, would you take it away? Would you remove it from my life? Would you help me to continue to be the man that you want me to become? And that Christmas gift, amen, that gift from God kept on working, 
kept on working, kept on moving. Amen. I appreciate what Brother Paul said a moment ago. Don't allow uh, yourself to become stagnant or stale in your walk with God, but ever reach for more. Ever reach for more. God, thank you for where you brought me and where I am today, but God, I'm not satisfied. I've got to have more of you. I've got to reach for more in God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And that uh, 30-year-old man began ministering, healing to the, to the masses, bringing revelation to people that were in darkness. And he began to demonstrate unparalleled power. Amen. And when he began to rebuke the raging sea and the wind, the boisterous winds, he began to take authority and take, take dominion over all of the opposing forces uh, against him. Amen. But I want to tell somebody today that man Jesus was not the second person of a triune God. Amen. The man Jesus was not. Amen. God the Son. Amen. But it was not. It was not God the Father sending God the Son or the second person of the Godhead. You know what? I would be deeply offended if if I love my dad so much and my dad said I love. I love this city so much, I'm going to send Brother Paul to go die. He would say, well, that wasn't very nice. You may even use some other choice words. He would be offended. Yeah. I love you so much, Brother Nathan. I'm going to slay my daughter. Whoa. Really? Yeah. You're, you're not that. You don't love your daughter that much. But the Bible says. In John chapter 10, in verse number 30, it begins to give clarity and understanding. He says, I, this is Jesus speaking, I and my Father are one. Amen. In other words, Jesus was God himself, manifest in the flesh, seed of angels, preacher of the Gentiles, received death at the moment. Amen. It was Jesus. Jesus was God. I and my Father are one. He did not send his Son, amen, as the second person of a triune God. But he came himself and died on the cross. He loved me so much that he came himself. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He came himself. The disciples were puzzled at one moment in the the course of history. And and they they heard Jesus talking about his father. And they were so confused, Brother Raul. What? What are you talking about? My father, my father, this, my father, that. And they got to the point, Brother Rowe, they said, you know what? They told Jesus, show us the father. Show him to us. We want to see him. Jesus perhaps chuckled a moment, stepped back, and said, haven't I been such a long time with you, and you still don't know who I am? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. How sayest thou then show us the Father? I and my Father are one. Amen. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. And he died on the cross. Amen. For you and for me today. And I am thankful. Amen. I'm thankful today that there came a day when Jesus would ascend into heaven. Amen. And we're skipping through lots of details in his life for the sake of time. Uh, but Jesus did a lot of incredible things. Uh, read the Bible to get more understanding of it. And come back to church again. You'll hear a little bit more about it. 
Uh, but there came a day following the conclusion of Jesus' earthly ministry. And the Bible says that he ascended into heaven. He was lifted up off the ground. Levitated. Floated up. However you want to view it. He ascended into heaven. And the disciples saw him leaving. They began to worry. What are we going to do? It'd be the equivalent, Sister Natalie, of your grandma and grandpa just leaving. Saying, see you later, Sister Natalie. You got this, right? Whoa, wait a minute. What am I going to do? How am I going to get by? How am I going to live? And, and what's going to happen? We, we would all just be completely worried and, and just... Uh, just exhausted our minds. What am I going to do? How am I going to get by? I've been relying upon you for three and a half years, Jesus. Uh, I've been following you. You're, you're everything. My life is wrapped up. I left my career. I left my job. I, I sold my fishing boat. I got rid of my fishing nets a long time ago. I stopped my tax collecting. I stopped my profession. All that I know is you. All that I know is you. But God, our God, doesn't like goodbyes. Once he comes into a person's life and has been introduced into a person's way of life, he doesn't want to leave. He wants to reveal himself to the world through that person. He wants to take a life. That's why... Coming to God is not a one and done deal. It's not I came to church at an altar, I repented, I got the holiness, I got baptized, and now I'm out the door and I'll never come back again because I'm good. Peace out. Thanks for the experience. God, give me the badge, give me the sticker. I'm out the door. It's not like that. God says, I'm introducing you to a new way of life. And now when you get up out of the altar, I want to put my spirit into your spirit. I want to dwell on the inside of you, and I want to lead you, and I want to guide you. And I want to give you that peace and calm assurance you've been looking for. I want to be that help in your life. Therefore, Jesus, when he was getting ready to leave the earth, getting ready to ascend, says in John chapter 14, before he, before he departs, John chapter 14 and verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the Holy Ghost. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Take a special uh, time to, to read the scriptures. Amen. The comforter. Amen. Uh, which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father, which Jesus said, the, I and my Father are one. Now he says the, uh, that the Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. So the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the name of the Father. Jesus is the name of the Son. We read it in Isaiah a few moments ago. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. And the Bible says his name will be called the everlasting father. We're talking about a son being called father. And here Jesus is saying, I am my father at one. But I'm going away. I'm sending a comforter who is the Holy Ghost. He's, the father sends it in my name. And we're saying, whoa, my mind is exploding. What's happening here? But what it all means, and you can see it very easily in scripture, is that the name of the father is Jesus The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. He's Father in creation. He's Son in redemption. And He's Holy Ghost in regeneration. And God wants to regenerate somebody's lost soul. 
put our hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Amen. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Some would use, amen, John chapter 14, verse number 16, to talk about how it says, I'll send another comforter, amen. But the translation, the, the meaning behind another comforter, it means in another form, amen. I'm here right now in body, but I'm going to come in another form, and that form is going to be spirit and spirit only. And I'm going to fill every, every soul that will let me, that will allow me to come in. I'll fill them up. Because what I cannot do in the flesh, I can do it through the Holy Ghost. And what you got to realize, what you cannot do in your flesh, the Holy Ghost will do it if you allow it to work in your life. Hallelujah. Somebody throw your hands up in the air and just begin to call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, could you lift up your voice today? Could you call upon the name? The name that's above every name. Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anybody know the name of God? Anybody know the name of the Father? Anybody know the name of the Son? Anybody know the name of the Holy Ghost? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm still preaching about Christmas in February. Amen. I love Christmas even more. You will attest to the Hoyles as the kids. You have kids and you're able to give them gifts. And it's you see them uh, unwrap the gift and the excitement that's on their face. And it begins to build. It's a joyful experience. But even more beautiful than Christmas is when somebody receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it is God in spirit. Filling a person's soul and they speak in our tongues. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. That Christmas gift would continue to reveal itself in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I'm coming to a close. He says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Amen. That Jesus that said I'll come in another form in the Spirit. He, now the Bible says the, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And here is where we fit into the Bible and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Lathrop, California, the central San Joaquin Valley is the uttermost part of the earth. And I am a part of a promise in the Word of God, the promise in Scripture that I will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon me. I'd like for us to stand to our feet as we close this service here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were united, one mind, one heart, one soul, one spirit. And suddenly the Bible says there came a sound from heaven. There is always a sound that will fill the room when somebody 
uh, receives the Holy Ghost. When God begins to move. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And the Bible says it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the ability. That Christmas in February can be yours today. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost, if you say, I I want what God has for my life. I I want to have His Spirit on the inside of me today. Amen. You can have it before we leave this place today. Amen. That when uh, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. And there is a sound from heaven you will hear. And everybody hears it. Everybody will be able to say, yeah, you're speaking in tongues. Yeah, you weren't speaking English. The Holy Ghost is not a a learned tongue. It's not something that you come up here and I stand in front and I say, repeat after me. Okay, now you got it. No, that's not how it works. You begin to worship God. You begin to lift him up. The first thing you do when you re- want to receive the Holy Ghost is you got to come to the altar. And you got to lift up your hand and say, God, forgive me. As one preacher said, God, I'm a dirty, filthy, rotten, lying skunk. I ain't no good, God. I need you. I repent of my sins. I want to turn away from the way that I've been living life. And I want to give my heart to you. The first step is repentance. The second step is to begin to worship God out loud and begin to open up your mouth and let those words, amen, take on verbal form and begin to talk to God out loud, begin to worship him, begin to shout out hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. And what will happen as a person has repented and begins to worship God in faith, they'll begin to yield themselves to the spirit of God. They will begin to worship God out loud. And all of a sudden, they're going to begin to feel their tongue wanting to take off. They're worshiping God, also their tongue wants to just kind of go up to something different, a different language, and, and just take off and do its own thing. The Bible says that that is the Spirit of God resting control of your vessel so that He can enter into your life. Amen. God chooses the tongue because it is the most unruly member. And God says it's like the rudder of a ship. If I can get a hold of that tongue, I can begin to direct your life. I can steer in the right direction. It can go where I want it to go. Amen. I like for us, amen, as a church to come down to this front. I want I like for all of us to come. Amen. We're not going to discriminate on anybody this morning. I want everybody to come. Amen. And, and I want I want the music to play. Uh, we're going to begin to worship God in a moment here. Amen. I, I want us to just simply take a few moments this morning. And I want us, amen, as we gather around this front altar area, I want us to close our eyes. This is perfectly in line with Scripture. I want us to lift up our hands as a sign of surrender. And I want everybody to just begin to repent of their sins right now. I want everybody to just begin to talk to God and tell Him, Lord, forgive me, God, of all my sins. Come on, would you do that from your heart to His heart today? God, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me, Lord. Purify me. Sanctify me, Lord. Come on, would you take a few moments? You say, you know what, I've already repented. Repent again. Amen. Ask the Lord to cleanse you this morning.
on, I need to hear some people lift up their voices. God, forgive me. I've not been living the right way, God. I've been living a life that's void of the Spirit of God and the power of God. I've been living life on my own terms the way that I think things ought to be done. But God, I'm at a point in my life where I'm saying you take the wheel. You take control. Lead me and guide me. Forgive me, God, of my sins. Come on, just ask the Lord. Let's not rush to repentance this morning. Let's not rush to repentance. God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me, God, of all of my sins. I want the children, the young people, the middle-aged, the elders. I want everybody repenting. I want everybody saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins, God. Hallelujah. Now I want us to just begin to thank Him. Amen. For forgiving us of our sins this morning. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord. I believe you've forgiven me today. I believe you have forgiven me of all of my sins. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, search my heart today. If there's anything in me that's not right before you, if there's anything in me that's that's uh, corrupt, that's evil, that's uh, wrong against your will, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me and purify me, Lord. Hallelujah. Now I want us to move into a a time of beginning to worship the Lord. And in these next few moments, God will begin to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. I want us to begin to open up our mouth. Lift up our hands. Lift up your head. I want you to begin to worship God out loud. I want you to lift your voice. I want the church to begin to worship God, to begin to pray. Come on, would you lift your voice? Come on, would you lift your voice? Come on, don't stop praying today. Come on, I need some more 
Make some more peace.